Hey guys, welcome to the After Laugh. I'm very excited. I, I always say that, but this time I mean it. Um, I have, uh, I mean, Press Hilton, you are a, a, a legend, a living legend. I mean, come on, for real. Even you must admit that because uh, I, I actually graduated NYU when, around when you graduated NYU in New York. And um, when I was a, a theater actor in New York in 2005, 2004, when you hit the scene, it, it was such a big deal and it was seemingly out of nowhere for people who didn't know things. Uh, and I, I was part of like the New York hipster scene going to all the parties and all the swag events. And every once in a while, there'd be like a Prez Hilton sighting. You were like Bigfoot. I think Prez <laughs> Hilton was here. Um, so first of all, I know, I know a lot of people obviously know you and you're kind of a household name, uh, but a lot of people probably don't know a lot of your story. I don't want to go back too much in the biography of it because you're probably like, Jesus Christ, this again. But um. I am kind of curious how it all sort of started. I know you went to NYU for, what would you, what did you go to school for again? I went to school for acting. For act, oh, you did the whole four years at Tisch, huh? Yeah. Seven paid off. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. 721 Broadway, right? We were in the same building probably at the same time. Um, I don't think I had any classes at 721 Broadway. I had my classes at the Playwrights Horizons Theater School, oh, yeah, which was just a couple blocks over on Lafayette. Uh -huh. And then I had classes at Stone Street Film and Television Studio. Never even heard of that. Yeah, that was their film and TV acting workshop. And that was in Chelsea, I believe. Um, I, I actually never even did a play while I was Are at Are you NYU. serious? I know. I did a lot of student films, though. Yeah. I went, I went that route. Like, I did so many student films, all of which, well, actually, one of them was good. All of the other ones were awful. <laughs> are they public? Can people watch a Perez Hilton student film if they want? Some of them are like on YouTube or um, one guy uploaded it on like Vimeo or something. Um, they're really funny to look back. I'm like, oh, I was so young. <laughs> Full of hope and life and joie de vivre. Um, what's interesting because you, you did the kind of typical thing. You were in New York. Things weren't necessarily popping the way you wanted to. And you moved to L.A., which is like the typical thing that a lot of actors do to get their big break. And well, it I was actually so different back then, you know, in 2000 and 2001 and 2002. Yes, there was television work and films being made in New York. But back then there weren't as many as there are now. Yeah. Uh, now there is a lot of film and TV in New York, but, it, you know, 20 one years ago, God, it was, law, all, it was law and order. That's all you could do. Yeah, kind of. And I, I mean, I love singing and I fantasize and I will manifest one day being in a Broadway musical. My motto is if Rosie O'Donnell could do it, so could I. First of all, uh, I can't imagine that would be a hard thing for you to get at all. I, I, I mean, I haven't heard you sing, but you've done a bunch of off Broadway musicals, right? I have. I mean, I'm not the best singer, but you know, you're acting it out and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like the worst singer, but I'm not, I'm not like a singer either. So you're I knew back. Yeah. yeah. I knew back then that if I was going to stay in New York, my options were limited. So I thought that I had a better chance of success in Los Angeles. And also the reason I went to NYU to study acting was because of Sean Hayes. Oh, really? I wanted to be Sean Hayes. Did he go to I, NYU for acting? No, but just like, you know, I think 
I always had a very good sense of self, which is important for an actor. Sure. And thankfully, you know, over the years, a lot has changed, a lot has stayed the same, but we're getting different types of leading men and leading women. But back in the day, you know, I knew I wasn't gonna be the leading man. My dream was to be the gay best friend, the crazy cousin, the wacky neighbor, whatever it is. Yeah. Like that, I, that would, I, it's still a dream of mine. I would be so down if the universe said, you know what? We're gonna put you on a sitcom for eight years, 10 years. I'm like, yes, <laughs> that'd be the biggest dream. I love comedies. I love sitcoms. I like old school comedies though, in front of a live studio audience. There aren't too many of those anymore. Oh yeah, no. Um, and like, that's the best gig. Like they work four days a week. They have so many months uh -huh. off. It's crazy. You know, it's and you, like, you you have done a, a sitcom guest star before a couple. I've done a lot. Yeah. 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 I, I was on uh, Glee. I was on Girl Meets World. I was on Victorious. I was on Courtney Cox's Dirt. I was on um, a, a Hot in Cleveland. I've done a bunch. I mean, I now, got my set. I got my set. Oh, believe card. me. <laughs> you know, I. Like I, I've always known about you and known about sort of the tabloid stuff and sort of your the, the spiritual awakening you had. But when I looked at your Wikipedia, I was like, this motherfucker has done a lot. I mean, my God, you've you've really run the gamut. And I, I guess it, it's testament to how hardworking you are, because that's just not that's just not someone who falls into it. I mean, all the different and I've things. got my own podcast. too. I know with Chris Booker, my buddy. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I love mentoring and speaking to young people or old people too, you know? Um, and I am the testament to this. The internet and social media can help you achieve success yeah. quickly. And some people may even luck their way into success or find themselves successful by accident, you know? especially now on TikTok, where one random video can get you 2 million followers. That's crazy. But you will not sustain success without an incredible work ethic yes. and without making sacrifices. And, you know, I'm really concerned for a lot of these influencers now because so much has changed. When I began, the shelf life of an influencer was longer than it is now. And it keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And also the average age of a popular influencer keeps getting younger and younger and younger and younger. So much so that the most followed person on TikTok is 16 years old. That's crazy. I, I, I hope that I'm wrong, but I'm not. 95% of these popular influencers now are not going to be popular in 10 years. Yeah. And especially the young ones, it's, I'm already sad for them. Like we're gonna have this generation of people in their late twenties who peaked when they were teenagers. And that might prompt people to be depressed or turn to drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. because they will never be able to be as successful as they were when they were 16, 17, or 18. Yeah. You know, hopefully the people that are popular now have good teams around them that are guiding them down the right path of 
what to do with their money so that when they're in their late 20s, they don't have to worry about it yeah. uh, because they are making a lot of money right now. Oh, for sure. They absolutely are. And when I was making all that money, I made so many mistakes. <laughs> I, I, I wish that I would have had a mentor. A mentor. It could have guided them and yeah. said, do this, don't do that. I, I didn't have a mentor because I was the first. You were the OG. I, yeah. You were the first. I think you were the first influencer. If, if that was. I was. I was. Which is a crazy thing to think about because. At, at the time, there was nobody online because the Internet, people forget in the early 2000s, the Internet was still a fairly new thing. Yeah. And Facebook was brand new in like 2006 or 2005. It was for college students only when I started. Yeah. That's how different it was. And, and that now, word I, didn't even exist. There I was know. no influencer in 2004. In the early days, they used to call me, the, the term back then was web celeb. Web celeb, that's so hilarious. So you yeah. were also the first probably web celeb too on top of I it. I was, but I'll give you my advice that I give to any young people, which also could be applicable to actors uh, and also to anybody who's a business owner and a brand. You know, when you hit it, the the more often than not go to is to scale quickly. Don't grow slowly. Don't get too big, too fast. Meaning if you just landed your sitcom or if you are a popular influencer making a ton of money and you want to move out of your apartment and buy a house, don't <laughs> buy a duplex instead or buy a fourplex move in there for a couple of years and use the rent from the other units to help pay off your mortgage. And then in a few years, if you're still making a lot of money, move out, but keep that duplex or fourplex or triplex or whatever as an income generating property for you. Yeah. And then that's just like a great way to slow yourself. Then when you have your house, if things are still successful, then start investing in the stock market with the help of a professional. Then you're really diversified. Then you've got money in real estate. You've got money in the stock market and you're really setting yourself up for success in the future. Yeah. I, unfortunately, did neither of those things back in the day. And I so like, I've stopped punching myself over <laughs> it because it happened. It was what it was. I got the five bedroom house that I was living in by myself that I didn't need, that I spent just a crazy amount of money on decorating, which I thought naively, oh, if I ever move, I'll have an estate sale and exactly. I'll sell all yeah. of this. <laughs> a little word to the wise or, or, or hopefully wise after this, you don't make barely any money on estate sales. You sell like everything at a fraction of the cost. So yeah. like you don't need, if you get a nice place, have a nice interior decorator, but don't go crazy town. Don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars decorating it. <laughs> well, that's for that's very, very select few people who will get that lucky. I do want to get back to how did how did your trajectory happen in terms of uh, the fame and the money? Because I know you work for by the way, I, I read your book, so oh, thank I'm you. actually prepared. <laughs> it's great. Well, actually, I cheated. I, I listened to the audiobook, but that's better. You got to listen to the audiobook, right? Yeah, so, no, um, I, I narrated it myself. Thank yeah, you. and you sound like you're having a lot of fun doing it. So it was, it was really enjoyable. I recommend people. Um, So when you were at, uh, you got into a publicity firm just sort of because you were looking for a job, right? It wasn't yeah. like anything you were that interested in. And so when you went from, when your blog started, kind of go back and like detail how that sort of exploded 
exactly how that sort of exploded for you? Because that was sort of, like I said, I never heard of Pres Hilton. And then all I did was hear about Pres Hilton. And of course, instinctually as an actor, well, I was a theater actor, um, you know, you're like, who is this fucking asshole? What is he doing? He's just a, tr- he's a rabble rouser. He's a troublemaker. Um, and I, and I was just very confused by everything that happened. You'd have like dicks in people's mouths on picture and it was fun. And I, I'd listen to it and everyone would go to your site. I mean, it was, it was talked about constantly. It was where you would get celebrity information. You were the first before Gawker, before anyone else. Um, so to get to that point just seems like a miracle. So how, how, how would you say that happened for you? You know, organically, like I just discovered the world of blogging and I said to myself, well, this seems fun. Let me try it. Uh, And my little hobby turned into a job, but not right away though. Uh, And I'll, I'll, I'll share a few things, but what set my site or blog apart at the, at the time was right away at the very from the from the get-go there was a lot that made mine different you know in 2004 17 years ago people who did have blogs it was mainly you know like online diaries journals very first person yeah and i never wanted to do that i knew that i wanted my blog to always be about celebrities and pop culture and and also another thing that made it different was how I talked about the celebrities, yeah. you know, at the time, you know, it was people and their approach was one way and us weekly, their approach was another way. My approach was a totally different way. I really normalized the celebrities, but more than that, the way that I talked to my reader, my audience, it was as if they were my friends. Yeah. I was talking to them like I knew them. And I wasn't talking down to them and it wasn't all about the celebrities. From the very beginning, it was all about my readers. Mm-hmm. And also there was just almost no competition back then. Like in 2004 and 2005, the celebrity magazines weren't even using their websites to break news. They were only using the websites to get subscriptions, like go to people.com to sign up for a subscription to the magazine, go to usweekly.com to get the magazine. They weren't, they weren't using their websites for anything other than subscriptions. Yeah. Then I and other websites like TMZ that came after me that I inspired because TMZ came a year and a half after I started. Uh, and like I said, I was lucky enough to achieve success really quickly. Like within six months of me starting my blog, I was on television talking about it, like insane. (laughs) Uh, You know, we of that era helped change media as we know it, you know, instead of, instead of waiting a week to read about it in the magazines or a day to read about it in page six or the daily news, or even, you know, a few hours to watch it on Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood, we now can give people what happens as soon as it happens. And people expect that now. They want the news in real time. Yeah. Now, what was the first blog that you did that got traction, where you started noticing numbers, noticing the traction, where you're like, oh, this is actually something, and where it started generating money for you? Was it was there a particular thing that you reported? There was two huge things. First, it was that incident that I told you about where I was on TV. Yeah. I started in September of 2004 and then October, November, December, January, five months later in February of 2005, 
I was on this TV show called The Insider, which isn't on television anymore, but it used to be the sister show, the companion to Entertainment Tonight. So yeah, it was a I big remember. deal. It used to air prime time, like 7 p.m. or 7.30, 7 p.m. And then Entertainment Tonight was 7.30 and it crashed my website. I'm like, oh my God, wow. <laughs> So that was February, 2005. And then my even bigger thing after that, that also crashed my website was in May of 2005. I love days like this where a story breaks and then it's like surfing. Then it's not just breaking the story. It's like a development and then another development. And it's like, it like gets bigger. So I heard from a source that there were photos of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie for sale by the paparazzi that confirmed they were indeed a couple. So I got that tip and I blasted it out and nobody had reported it yet. I'm like, oh my God, I am hearing that there are photos on sale of Brangelina. And I had coined that term, by the way, yes. So then, In 2005, things were done so differently than they are now. The paparazzi would email all of the media outlets, high res, full unwatermarked photos, and they would all look at them and then bid on them. And I had a friend who worked for a celebrity magazine in the UK, in London, and his publication was outbid. So they didn't get it. So he leaked me the photos. Oh, wow. And dumb, naive, (laughs) young me published the photos that were the exclusive of this one photo agency and it crashed my website. Everybody went there all of a sudden to see these first photos of Brad and Angelina. And then I learned the hard way in the early 2000s that I couldn't really be doing that with paparazzi photos because I got sued so many times. How many times did you get sued? Oh God, more than 20 probably. (laughs) Wow. I wasted millions of dollars in settlements and legal bills. And that's another thing why, you know, I'm very honest in my book. I don't have FU money in the bank. You know, I have to work for a living and it's because of all of the mistakes that I made in the past. Yeah. I'm I'm not like, you know, in the poor house, but I'm not like set for life either. Like most people, 99% of the world has to work for a living. 99, more than that. Like I read it, um, most Americans, the overwhelming have little to no money in their savings. Yeah. Um, So you know, I, I made a lot of mistakes and um, that was one, but I don't regret it because when I published those photos, like here's another thing too. One of the reasons for my success is almost from the very beginning, I got the cosign of the mainstream media. Mm. Almost from the very beginning, I was bigger than my genre. I was bigger than just being a blogger, uh, you know, because that's a trap that a lot of influencers fall into. Like if you're very popular on one app, whether that be Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, and there are, there are like really popular YouTubers with a lot of followers, like millions of subscribers, 
but mainstream America or the world has no idea who they are. Those people are not going to have longevity, unfortunately. Yeah. And eventually the followers on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or wherever will lose interest. That just happens. People lose interest. It's so hard to sustain the attention of an audience for a long period of time, unless you have an incredible work ethic and mm -hmm. keep pivoting and reinventing mm -hmm. and doing different things like I have yeah. from you know, rebranding myself to, you know, I started my podcast six years ago now, way before everybody had theirs to, you know, um, like I'm on Clubhouse now. I was early to Clubhouse and I got a good, a good size following there. Um, you know, I, I always try to be a few steps ahead and, you know, doing all the acting stuff, whatever it might be, you know, you have to do it all. Like one of my biggest role models and inspirations is Joan Rivers. Oh yeah. And she worked literally up until she died because yeah. she loved it. And what was her secret? Two big takeaways. One, the variety of everything she did mm -hmm. from stand up to acting, to writing and directing, releasing books, releasing jewelry lines for QVC, red carpet commentary, fashion commentary. She, I even like, look at this. Like I was lucky enough to work with Joan a few times, the most wonderful human being. I was on two episodes of her reality show that she wow. had with her daughter, Melissa. And while she had a reality show with Melissa, she also had a web show that I did too called In Bed with Joan. And, you know, she always had five hustles going on. That's what I try to do as well. And you need that. You need to constantly also say yes to things. Mm -hmm. So like every interview re request that I get, I'll say yes to, um, you know, a lot of people don't. They're like, oh, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do this. Like, yeah, you don't need to do it. But eventually, if you're not doing all of these things to keep your name and yourself out there, people are going to stop asking. Yeah, for sure. Now, I want to ask you, when when the blog blew up and everything started, it, it, it probably shifted from the material that you were putting out to you as a person, right? And with that attention turned to you and you became kind of a celebrity in your own right based on this, what, what was that feeling like? Was it when people would see you on the street and people would, and when, when the vitriol would come your way, cause obviously what you were doing, and I'm assuming that it sounds like you did it. You started kind of, it was fun to do. You enjoyed it. You actually enjoyed celebrities, but people obviously took umbrage to it and they were, you know, people were trying to take you down. And I imagine you also had a lot of people who were trying to use you to sort of get publicity and maybe you had some celebrities who kind of cozied up to you that you're like, wait, these people aren't my real friends. So I imagine yeah. that must have been, it's like a lot of people when they get rich, all of a sudden everyone's their best friend. So, and you're a young kid, you're still in your twenties when this was going on. So I imagine that was really difficult to deal with. No, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but did you have any celebrities that you can name names or not that sort of were like, Hey, Perez. And then things changed all of a sudden they just deserted you. Stuff yeah, like that. I mean, I talk about it in my book, perhaps the most, infamous incident that happened that's along those lines is with me and Lady Gaga. And I was really, like I said, young and naive because back in the day when I was incredibly disliked, I thought, wow, if anybody likes me and if anybody 
you know, wants to hang out and be my friend, it's because they actually like me because yeah. it's not, it's not the cool thing to be friends with me. And then it turns out, you know, a lot of people were just wanting things out of me, but you know what? Now that so much time has passed, I'm happy. Yeah. I would love, I love being used and helping people. And it's great to be able to say, you know what? Yes. So-and-so used me and now they're a ginormous star. Look <laughs> at that. Yeah. What was the Lady Gaga story? Cause I don't, I, I, I missed that in, in the book. What was the, there, I think even on your Wikipedia, I mean, it was like something happened, but they don't detail what, what the thing there, was. Well, it all went down in Australia. I was filming a TV special with her and she was jet lagged and really drunk <laughs> and then exploded after I was asking her about her boyfriend and about her song that was controversial at the time, but it wasn't even like, there weren't even bad questions. You know, it's yeah. just that I, just me even asking them that to her upset her. And like, she stopped the interview and stormed off. And it's like, you know, it's, I don't take it personally now because I look back and she's not with any of the people that she was with at the beginning of her career. She doesn't work with her manager, her old manager anymore. She doesn't work with her old stylist, her old creative director, her old choreographer. All those people are gone. Uh, and she was dealing with a lot, you know, not just substance abuse, which she's talked about on Howard Stern and other media appearances. But in addition to dealing with drugs and alcohol, she was also dealing with being at the time the most famous pop star on the planet. Yeah. And it happened relatively quickly for her. Unlike like, let's say Taylor Swift, who, you know, I would say that peak Taylor Swift was her 1989 era in, in 2014, 2015. But by that point, Taylor had already been in the industry for close to a decade. So she had a long time of getting used to all of the attention and people talking yeah. about her. So she was already very well adjusted and handled it very well. Gaga, not so much. It's like all of a sudden your entire world changes and how people treat you changes and it can change people. Absolutely. And it often doesn't change people for the better. It often changes people for the worse. Yeah, I'm sure. And you were doing all of this without a team. You, yeah. I mean, you didn't have an agent and manager in the first five or six years. You were just kind of, you were your own team, your own manager. I had a lawyer, thankfully, yeah, uh, who would look at my contracts and you know, it was nice. Like the deals just came to me. Like the opportunities <laughs> would just come to me. <laughs> yeah. Cause I saw this documentary on Hulu called jawline kind of about like these young influencers that people are, you know, they're being created by these companies that take these young kids from Nebraska that look good. And they try to, and these kids lives seem to get ruined because they get hyped up and the minute they don't, they don't convert. They're like, okay, bye. I thought you were going to be better than this. I told you, yeah, that 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 happens all the time. And like I said, the shelf life of the influencer gets young, gets shorter and shorter. And what we're already seeing is before they're even in their late 20s, like some of these influencers that were popular when they were 16 and 17 a couple of years ago, now they're not getting as much engagement as they used to and the brand deals aren't coming in. So a lot of, and this, this is, it's fine. I'm not passing judgment. I mean, maybe I am, but <laughs> a bit. Um, like a lot of them now are on OnlyFans doing adult yes. work. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm an old fart. 
and a father <laughs> of three now. And I and I worry, like, you know, OnlyFans could be like the gateway into prostitution for a lot of oh, people. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. You know, it's, oh, it's I'll pay you five thousand dollars to have sex with me. Oh my God, five thousand dollars? That's my rent for two months. I'll do that. Yeah. Just one um, time, and, sure, yeah. And there's exactly. nothing wrong with that either, you know. Prost I think prostitution should be legal, but I don't know. It's just my when I going back to earlier, like I'm talking to a young person again. If they are a popular influencer and they're 16 or 17, so many of them are choosing now not to go to college, which I think is a big mistake because yeah. you can be an influencer full time. And also go to college full time. Yeah. Like you can do both and you should do both because like, let's say you're a popular influencer when you're a freshman at college, you may not be anymore by the time you're a senior, but at least you'll have your degree and you're leaving with more knowledge and something that can help you get a job. Uh, yeah, for sure. Now, Perez, do, do you, now I say you like to mentor, you like to mentor young people and help them. Do you, is that a professional thing you could do as a consultant or do people, do people come to you and reach out to you and say, Hey, both, both. Yeah. Um, I do offer my services on cameo. So if you uh, okay. want, if anybody wants me through to do any career coaching or life coaching or just a zoom or, um, or a little personalized video greeting, all of that's available on cameo.com slash Perez Hilton. But a lot of it is just really organic. Like I see a new influencer and I start following them. And mm -hmm. then they notice that I start following them and then they DM me um, or I'll comment on their stuff and then they'll DM me or whatever it is. Uh, and then we just, you know, start a relationship. And a lot of musicians like reaching out to me because they know my history with musicians and they know that I have a good ear and yeah. I'm not afraid of being honest. Um, you know, a lot of my friends that are popular musicians still send me stuff before they release it just to like have me give my input. Um, and I love that, you know, I used to be a manager for, I've done everything. I was about to ask you if you've been a manager years. before, because it sounds like you, you have the mentality for it, for sure. Yeah, I was, and I wasted, this goes back to my re regrets. I spent so much money <laughs> trying to be the manager, right? Like managing musical artists. And if you think acting is cutthroat, it's easy compared to the music industry. Oh yeah. The music industry is the hardest profession in all of entertainment because there's only so many slots. And also most all genres with a few exceptions are very ageist. Oh yeah. You know, if in the pop world, if you haven't made it by the time you're 25, it's real hard. Yeah. In country music, country is a little bit less ageist, but still maybe like if you haven't made it in country by the time you're 35, then you're done there too. Like, yeah. But like in acting and film and television, you know, you could blow up at 40, depending yeah. on the project that you're in or whatever it is. And yeah. that's also why you see a lot more, you know, nepotism actors, like the children of famous actors. Oh God, yeah. Because also like acting isn't as hard. <laughs> it's not, it's not. I'm an actor, so I completely agree with you. I know that's true, yeah. You don't, you don't need it's a real a skill. Um, now I do want to get to the, uh, so when things start changing for you, so around 2000, 2009 i know the will i am thing happened um which maybe happened in 2010 
2010. Okay. And is that sort of when things started shifting or is that your spiritual awakening was tied to that after that, or is with the, your, your first child? It did start earlier. I started in 2008 to have different thoughts. And what prompted that was me beginning my health and wellness journey. Mm. You know, prior to 2008, I was extremely unhealthy. I, I don't even know. I do know how much I weighed, but whatever. Uh, I <laughs> you was, look good now. So whatever's it make. Thank you. you. <laughs> oh, I ended up losing 75 pounds. Like I was wow. so unhealthy. And then, you know, I found for myself, and I do believe that this is a universal truth. The healthier you are, the happier you are. Yeah. So as I was happier and healthier, I started having different thoughts, but I was mm. paralyzed by fear into inaction, you know? So I didn't make any change until 2010 when I had what Oprah describes as the universe speaking so loudly that it smacked me <laughs> upside the head and it forced me to change. And I did that because I knew that who I had become in this persona of Perez Hilton is not who I really was. Yeah. And I had been drinking the Kool-Aid, as they said, for a few years. And I, I had also, for my own sanity, disassociated myself from my words and actions. Yes. Telling myself things like, it's just a character. Yeah. It's not really me. And people You're don't Mario. know me. Exactly. But there just came a point in 2010, it was incident after incident and the universe speaking at me and screaming at me and you know telling me, you need to change. So I did. And, you know, was there wonderful. one, was there one event in particular that you can point to? Yes. Yes. There was one event in particular that was in the fall of 2010. And thank God we've not seen anything like this since, but in a span of about three months, beginning in September and then October, November, there were at least, I don't know the exact number, but a minimum of 20 LGBTQ young people that died by suicide. Wow. And as a result of that, this journalist, Dan Savage, created this campaign called It Gets Better, which was really simple in concept. It was that, yeah. older, older people making videos, talking to young folks and sharing their stories or words of inspiration. And because it's my job to know everything that's going on and be plugged in, the very same day that Dan Savage launched that campaign, I must have gotten a press release or I found out about it somehow. And I was the first personality or public figure or celebrity, whatever you want to call it. I don't call myself a celebrity, but I was the first personality or public figure to make an It Gets Better video before all wow. of the celebrities started making them. And the response that I got to that shook me to my core because I thought in this time of darkness, I'm doing something positive. I'm creating light. Yeah. But instead, the overwhelming majority of people said, how dare you make an It Gets Better video? Shame on you. You're a hypocrite. You're a bully. You are part of the problem. Wow. And I was like, wow, whoa. Like, even when I'm trying to do something positive, in this really awful time, this is what the majority of people think. Well, I need to stop, reevaluate things and change because that's not who I am. That's not why I started 
back in the day. I began in 2004 talking about pop culture and celebrities because I love pop culture and celebrities. I love music and film and TV and, and everything. And, you know, I along the way ended up working at Star Magazine and I quit that job because I didn't want to feel like a stalker and it just didn't feel right for me and I wasn't good at it. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't reinvent the wheel. As I say, I just put new rims on it. <laughs> but what's fascinating is now that it's 11 years later, so many people are not willing to let me grow and evolve and move past the old me. Mm. I would actually say that the majority of people still only think of me as that old version of myself. You know what's interesting about that? And oh, last year, what? No, go ahead. And was... last year when I was doing all of my, go, well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, last year when I was doing all of my book promo, it was like, I was on like an apology tour. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like done saying I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll say it again to somebody personally or like whatever. I'm not gonna have like a Kevin Hart moment where I won't say I'm sorry. I'm still sorry, but I've moved on from saying I'm sorry. Yeah. And I've moved on from caring if people see me any which way. I live a happy, rich, full life with my three children and my mother and helping people and you know doing so many different things. I, I cannot sit and be weighed down yes. by the chains and the baggage of my past. You know, I, I, I don't choose know if, to not let that. Of course. Go ahead. I, I don't know if you're a big Howard Stern fan, but I kind of look at Howard Stern in a similar light. Like there was a time when everyone hated people forget that now because now he's like an elder statesman of, of entertainment and interviews. But there was a time when everyone hated Howard Stern. They were on fire. There were death threats. And it seems like if, if you stay in it long enough and you stay in the pocket, People forget that. And then you become like, you'll be a loved figure in 10 years. No one will even remember. They'll just remember Prez Hilton is this like lovable guy who, who changed media and, oh, he did that. He was younger and it's fine. Because I feel like Howard Stern gets a pass on that now. Like you don't hear a lot of people who hate Howard Stern now, you know? So I think if you just stay there, I think it's that's all going to shift. Now, one thing I want to ask you about regarding that is, and you talk about in the book and your reasons that you talk about in the book, I actually semi agreed with. Um, about certain people that you that you outed. I mean, as, as a gay man, um, it, it seemed like you thought it was important to move forward. No, that's not why I did it. I no. did it because I always viewed my readers like my friends. So I yeah. would justify it by saying, well, I'm just telling my readers, my friends, what my friends and I talk about in real life. Yeah. But now that I'm older, I realize, you know, you really shouldn't say everything that you're thinking. Yeah. Um, if, if you do say everything you're thinking, you end up being Donald Trump, right? <laughs> and I don't want to be Donald Trump. He says everything he's thinking. I try to get better and wiser and improve as the years go on. Yeah. Um, but for example, yeah. I will say this, like, I get, my understanding is that Neil Patrick Harris came out because you had the story, the scoop, you're going to release it. And he is universally beloved now. I mean, yes. for him to come out, it helped him. And I think yes. in a lot and of also, ways, Perez, I'm friendly with him and he's been so gracious. Yeah. Thank him. He's been so gracious. 
Because now I think, I mean, obviously people are so closeted in Hollywood and this business, but it seems that what you did in some small way may have paved the way for people to be more comfortable coming out. I mean, that may sound like a, a justification for behavior that you don't really think is that honorable right now. But in some way, like I feel that a lot of people are, who are gay are a lot more comfortable coming out of the closet and maybe shoving them out of the nest the way you did in some ways was really helpful. And I don't know if people can it's admit that. It's also interesting, you know, the media now, the way that they talk about gay people is so different too. Like nowadays, the media has no qualms about outing women. There's like this double standard too. If, if a female celebrity starts dating a woman, the media will talk about it right away. Yeah. Like no qualms. If there is a gay actor who's not out and he's seen with his boyfriend, the media now is outing people in code. They're like, he was seen with his roommate <laughs> or whatever it might be, or he was seen with his good friend. And like, we won't mention, I won't mention names of who they do that to, but um, cause then that would be outing them. But yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how that's evolved and changed. Yeah. Cause I think it's, I mean, now, I mean, one of the jokes I do is when people, oh, by the way, I'm gay. I'm like, oh, it's 2020. That's all you got? Gay? You got any other tricks? Because the, the Overton window has shifted so much that now there's trans, the trans movement. And as a part of the LGBTQ community that you are and you're an advocate, um, how, how do you feel that's heading? How do you feel that, um, do you feel that there's a conflict with the gay community and the trans community? Is that something that, that touches you at all no. or interests you? No. I think that there is conflict with some cis women and the trans community, most notably, you know, JK Rowling oh, and yeah. others. They're called TERFs. TERFs. I'm not an ex, I don't know what that term. Uh, it means turf. trans, uh, trans exclusionary radical feminist. Right, there we go, that is it. Yes, trans, you, did you Google it or you just need I, it off the top I, of your I have, head? A, I have a, a daughter who is a, a part of the trans community. There you go. Yeah. So um, yeah, they're called TERFs. Um, no, but I, I love everybody. I support everybody except for like the hardcore Trumpers. Yeah. I don't want to like, I was like watching the inauguration and Joe Biden said, we need to unite. I'm like, I, I like hearing that from you, but why would I want to unite with racists and homophobes? Like, I don't want to unite with those people. Yeah. There are a lot of good, decent Republicans out there and those I want to unite with, but all of like the deplorables as Hillary called them and they are that, I don't need to unite with them. Yeah, exactly. Now, do you ever do political um, shows or get on political shows and talk as a yeah, guest and stuff? Yeah, I have for sure. Is it something that I think interests I'm an you? Like formed person, yeah. Because you've done everything else. Is life and politics interest you? Could you ever <laughs> run for something? Ever something that maybe you go? Huh. I mean, you you are definitely like a seminal figure in entertainment and in the gay community. And I think that um, your voice is something is a voice that's been depends. relevant for so long. I mean, I'm. I'm it depends what it is, um, and if I could actually do good. Yeah. Um, you know, if I could create change and help people in meaningful ways. Um, so yeah, I, even things like, you know, I, I've been learning a lot about being a delegate uh, and they actually have a lot of say, you know? Um, so there's a lot that could be done in the future 
for now, like my priority though is making as much money as possible because I got three kids and my mom that also I support and my sister as well. So that's like, you know, in the future when I have more time, I would be down to do something like that. Yeah. So in terms of what you, I know you have the three kids, which is amazing. I can't believe you're raising three kids. Good for you. That, that must be rewarding and exhausting at the same time, but that's incredible. Do you, um, and obviously the way that you probably approach things now is you are a father of three children. So maybe you don't want to do things in the same way. Cause you have to be now a role model to these kids and you don't want them to No, I, I don't mind, you know, making a fool of myself <laughs> and my kids don't even view it that way. Yeah. Like, I'll put on a silly cat, not even a silly, I'll put on a fierce caftan and make a silly dancing video because it makes me happy. Even though our mutual friend, Chris Booker, always criticizes me for that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. It makes me happy. Yeah. And I spoke about this to my therapist, not last week because he was off, but two weeks ago, I said, you know, I know that me posting these ridiculous, silly dance videos hurts my ability at finding a, a, a guy to date. Because to many gay guys, that's like cringe or it's, they just don't like it. They'll mock me for it. And I said, I know that and I do it anyways because it brings me joy yeah. and I don't care. And then the guy who likes that will be the right guy for you. I don't know if anybody will like it, but they'll just be like, oh, that's that's my boyfriend. You know, everybody has like their silly quirks or whatever it is. Yeah. Or maybe uh, I will find like, you know, like a Broadway guy and we'll do musical numbers together. Like we'll straight up do like choreography or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. That'd so be you, fun. Yeah, of course. Now you, you say that Broadway is a goal. Is that something that you're actively pursuing or is that just kind of pie in the sky? Cause it seems like that's something that you could actually make happen for real. I have auditioned for Broadway shows. You know, I auditioned for Chicago and I didn't get it. I thought I'd be a great Amos. <laughs> I auditioned for uh, what's the name of the gay character in rock of ages. I don't remember, but I auditioned Gunther. Oh, yeah. Gunther? yeah I, I, auditioned, see that. I auditioned for the gay character in rock of ages and I didn't get it. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I will do it one day. Yeah. Now, what about the idea? Do you, do you ever write vehicles for yourself? Like, I'm sure you probably pitched reality shows. Have you written sitcoms for yourself? And you've written... Maybe in the future. I'm just so yeah. busy. Yeah. Like, I, I know I have all of that in me. It's just about creating the space and time. And right now, I don't have it. Yeah. Because yeah. if I was going to write a one man show, or if I was gonna write a sitcom or a film or whatever, it would have to be exceptional. For sure. I also have this goal and dream. It's allegedly in the works, but I can't get too much information. There's not been a lot of progress. I gotta find a way to get an audition or just get a straight up offer, offer for it. I need to play Richard Simmons in the Richard Simmons biopic. Oh, wow. But like not tongue in cheek, not jokey, yeah. like, like serious, like for for film, not for like lifetime or anything like to, to work with like an amazing director and really bring that story to life, like and work with an acting coach to make sure I like slay it and like yeah. commit my all and like study and get him down. 
Like I, I am Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing that you could write. That could be your vehicle that you write for yourself. Cause I don't think a lot of people are out there pitching Richard Simmons scripts right now. I mean, maybe I they know, are. I think somebody is working on a Richard Simmons film. Oh. I read that somewhere. Let me do a quick Google. <laughs> Richard Simmons. What, what is he up to now? Didn't he like disappear or something? Yeah, for a while? he's in hiding. For he's real? There's a documentary, I think, called Where's Richard Simmons? It was a podcast. Oh, it was a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's still in hiding. Yeah, I, I oh, can't wow. see anything. Maybe nobody is working on a Richard. I think they were. <laughs> I know that there ha it was announced like a couple of years ago. I don't think there's been movement on it, but I need to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I have to, a couple of boilerplate questions I have to ask you. What what regrets would you say you have other than like you? Because you, what one thing that is interesting to me about you is you seem like a nice guy. Your your, your book details a hardworking, sensitive guy with with a sense of fun. Um, you had this awakening. But you're still involved. If you're still involved in gossip and celebrity culture, th there's a part of you that can't escape um, being a little bit snarky or kind of like uh, digging at people. It's kind of I, it's, it's hard to, to think that you can be completely, I don't know, spiritually evolved and also be involved in a world that is sort of admittedly the opposite of that. You know I what I mean? I got bills to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the show Flack on Amazon Prime? Yeah, they mentioned me in an episode. Oh, I think that's right. They did. Yeah. Yeah. I need to be on it. <laughs> exactly. That's the type of thing. You just call someone and say, hey, put me on this damn show. We did. Uh, my manager pitched me and they didn't yeah. bite. Did that sh is that show realistic to what you feel the publicity is? Or is that I haven't watched. I haven't watched it, but okay. except for like my shout out, somebody sent me a clip of that. I'm like, that's fabulous. I should yeah. be on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the team, the team's uh, Anna Paquin's character, she basically will do anything to protect her client, even if that client is the most reprehensible person in the world. She'll like one character um, has a computer that may be full of like, I don't know, child pornography or, or, or snuff films or rape films or something. And she spends the whole episode trying to to create a scenario where he is absolved from it, like he was researching a part for a movie. And this is why this is on the computer. Um, is it that cutthroat or is that just sort of an exaggerated, like, is there something that disgusts I mean, you so much in that world? It used to be. Yeah. It, no, it used to be kind of cutthroat back when publicists had more power. They don't yeah. have as much power anymore because it's really hard to kill a story now. Um, wow. You know, back in the day when there were less media outlets and when they had more time to buy and to figure out their plan, the power publicists did have more power. But now, you know, now it's just, you know, facilitate. Now it's just like babysitting, you know, it's like yeah. accompanying them to premieres and babysitting and blah, blah, blah. You know, the ones that maybe, um, aren't cutthroat, but maybe are like our different specialty. It's evolved. Now there's like the crisis experts that are being used more and more. Yeah. Um, That's probably a fair, probably fairly recent thing that there are crisis teams for people, right? Yeah, not that new. I mean, it's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm a comic, so I know certain comics who all of a sudden had to get crisis managers when things, you know, got hairy for them. That's <laughs> happened to a lot of comedians. Yeah. So what do you think the um, the future of this stuff is, of social media and influencers? Do you, do you, 
look forward in five years and say, I think this is where it's going? Do you think it's going to a bubble that's going to burst like a, like the tech boom in the 90s? Or do you think it's um, just going to keep snowballing into this crazy world where everyone wants attention and no one wants to give attention? I think that it will move to more platforms where creators can earn money. Mm -hmm. For example, it makes no sense to me that I create content and post it on Instagram and I'm not monetizing Instagram. That's bull. Yeah. Um, so as more and more social apps and experiences make their creators feel valued and are valued monetarily, those I think will start to thrive more. And also just what people want to consume has cha will change. Um, I think, you know, also going back to Instagram, you know, for many years, it just made people feel bad. I, you know, it still like, does, yeah. But now, you know, social apps that elicit joy or provide inspiration for people like i love i'm obsessed with clubhouse because i find it very inspiring and i can and i learn and i connect with people and i don't think it's just because we're in the middle of a pandemic i just think yeah. it's the, the way that that tool works well it's so new so describe briefly what that is because i got an invite to it and i signed up i have no idea i haven't looked at it what is what is about that's different it's a so it's an audio only social networking app and people rooms usually are um, themed and then there's speakers and then there's the listeners and there's something about the power of the voice and it's kind of nice not to be looked at and you're just talking and you could do it in bed lying down like I am right now. <laughs> um, and also just the way that you can invite people onto the stage and the conversation can go anywhere and people that you know might pop into your room or whatnot. Like on Instagram and Facebook, you can share the screen with people, but it's only one person at a time. Here on Clubhouse, you can share a stage with like up to as many people as you want and everybody oh, wow. can be talking and it's like a round robin thing. Yeah, it's kind of like goes back to the old days of the chat room almost, but just with audio. Exactly, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Well, I'll have to make sure I friend you on that for sure. <laughs> now, yeah. Um, so you do the podcast with uh, with Chris Booker. Um, I'm sure you have a, a, a million other things that you're working on or kind of other than you have three children after age, which is which is already admirable um, for yourself. What what do you look at other than the, the dreams of the Broadway and being on a sitcom for eight years and breaking it in? And um, do you have any other things that you're looking at that for your life down the road where you go, okay, this is something that I could see myself doing, but this is a way, this is another pivot I could make. Yeah, you know, I am working on uh, launching something this year, entrepreneurial. So I'm excited about that. Uh, and I think it will be very successful. Yeah, okay, I know. You gotta keep it under wraps, I get that. Now, are there other people? Now, one thing you said, the only thing you regret is um, that you said Fidel Castro died before he died. I think you said that in your book. No, I regret a lot more than that. <laughs> I regret a lot. What, what other, other things that won't bring you down that are, that are kind of like, oh man, this is something I wish I could re or talk to again and I don't have access to do it or 
stuff like that, like relationships? I, I would go back in time and change so much uh, because yeah. I know better now. You know, yeah. I have a ton of regrets. Uh, and also, you know, it's not just about like, yes, I would go back in time clearly to try to not hurt people, but also because I'm smart enough to know that for my own selfish reasons, it would have yeah. been better not to do things that way because mm -hmm. more doors would be open to me now. Uh, yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. So it seems like- I do, I, I, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I know that I, I would have still been successful regardless, yes. just because I am so crazy and <laughs> over the top and just unlike anybody else and incredibly hardworking. Yeah. All of that combined would have given me success. I didn't need to do this and that and the other that I did back in the day. Yeah. I, I did it all because it was cheap and easy and it would course. be guaranteed results, you know? Yeah, well, it's like to me that people to. would hold that against you, that, that, that like you were young, you were a kid, you were in 20s, 30s. It seems like that's a weird thing that people would kind of still hold on to. Like we were all pretty much sociopaths until like 28 as, as men in America, you know? So I, I don't know. That's, that seems like it's odd. And I think that will probably just over the years just sort of soften, soften, and you'll be looked at more as a, as a lovable figure in the, in the media. I think you already are. You know what I mean? Oh, you're, you're like I my perspective on you, my perspective on you changed immensely when, when you started doing these, these weight loss shows and, and different advocacy that you, you know, I was like, Oh, this guy's different than what I initially thought of when it was like, a, a, a cum shot on someone's face on the picture back in 2004, whatever it was. So um, that's great. Paris, listen, man, you, Perez, you're, a, you're, you're an incredible guy. You're, you're fascinating. I could talk to you for hours about that. You have so much stuff going on. And, uh, and I think you're an inspiration to people. And, and I'm glad that you're reaching out to these young people and helping guide them and mentor them because it's a weird world. And people need someone who has some uh, experience to look back, and go, hey, guys, you know, Maybe this is the way you should do it now, you know? So thank you yeah. for coming on. Well, thank you. And everybody check out my podcast. If you like podcasts, yeah, of course. The Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker. You can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or directly at PerezPodcast.com. And on that, on that podcast, you guys just discuss current events and topics, same stuff. Yeah, yeah. We just talk about all of the things that are trending. So, yeah. you know, at, through my filter, what <laughs> I think are the most important stories of the week. Yeah, well, that's great. I will definitely check it out. Hey, Perez, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to meet you and uh, have a great week. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Bye. See ya.